And I would have also shut the balloon down, man. What the hell? If I see a balloon floating over my garden while I'm having a bit of a skinny dip there, I'm getting my catapult out. There can be no doubt about it. <laughs> well, at least until I've lost a bit of weight. <laughs> Mark, hi. How are you this bright and breezy morning? Well, it's anything but bright and breezy here. It's kind of very overcast and a lot of wetness about. I mean, they close the golf courses. How can you do that on a weekend? So, I, you know, there's, there's an uneven distribution of everything in our country, including the weather. I believe it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's boiling hot here in the Karoo, no rain. So send some of that stuff down. That would be very nice. I will. We will. Okay. So now, big news is Sona. I mean, it's not such big news anymore. We've had a like, weekend. It happened on Thursday night. Then there was commentary and then there was responses and then there was this weekend press. After all that said and done, is there anything left that strikes you about this thing that hasn't been said a hundred times? I, you know, I do think the president was out to please, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that that's that's a, that's what we need to do. So there were some, you know, embedded invitations to the private sector to, you know, get involved in discussions around transit, whether they were warm invitations or not. We can pass, we can pass judgment on, and all of the normal suspects got mentioned, you know, energy and and, and so on. And there were some a sprinkling of real projects mentioned. But as ever, Tim, you know, it's all going to be in the implementation. And then, of course, the surprise package was a third person in the room on energy. That has got me a bit confused, as I think it has everyone else. But, but it could have been worse. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gave it a good thump. You know, there's this two and a half hours of speeching. That's quite a lot of stuff. And I have this sneaking suspicion of why these things get to be so long and get to be so formulaic. And that is because what they do to construct these speeches is they send a little note to each member of the cabinet and each member of the cabinet wants to get their little piece in and then you can't leave anyone out. So you end up putting all the stuff in that sort of like goes on and on. To me, it just sounds a little bit routine. You know, we don't have a menu anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I have to take whatever's out there and, and, and make the best of it. So... Let's hope some some things do get some traction. I think that's all we can hope for. But it was a it was an appeasing. I mean, I, you know, you talk about long speeches. I'm reminded of the mathematician who wrote to his mentor and said, "I apologize for writing such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one." Okay, uh, yeah, you know, I think exactly. we need more distilled yeah. essence. We need not pleasing everybody, but doing some things, and we all know that. And I think there's a universal expectation that we must move from promises to action. And let's hope that comes pretty damn quick because we need it. Yeah. Somebody said that just comparing it with the State of the Union speech in the States, that Biden spoke to the people and Ramaphosa spoke to the bureaucrats. He spoke to the audience. Except the people that didn't want to listen, he had them kicked out, which I... (laughs) Well, they sort of kicked themselves out. Okay. All right. Um, Let's move on. Okay. So what could you just... Can't you? This is our second section. I just can't. What just can't you this past week? Well, there there are a number of things. First of all, you know, uh, we have to see what happens to tourism. Okay, how they how they backtracked and left that off. I on the can't believe stuff. I can't believe the AKA, you know, shooting the extent of elevated violence uh, and just the emergence of symptoms of the state that we are in, never mind the state of the nation that we should be in. And so I think there are visible cracks appearing in how we feel and look. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I can't believe is the EFF's dramatics before the before the show. Oh. I mean, it's just getting tired. I don't know. I, you know, it's, maybe I'm not the sort of sample market, but you know, they all know that they're on television. So for once a year, they feel obliged to make a big fuss and raise points of orders and eventually forcing the speaker to eventually rule them out of order. And then the people come and then they, ra- you know, it's just, so while all this is going on, while they are presenting themselves as the EFF, as like the big, you know, opposition of government, they also kind of striking deals on the side with the ANC to govern Joburg, for example. To me, I don't know what you think, but I, that's very hypocritical. I think it's hypocritical and old. Yeah, but you know, there's a thread of detachment between politics and what's happening on the ground. You know, I find myself in discussions oh, exactly. with, with senior members of the opposition, and I find similar detachment. I think the focus, it seems to me, is on one another, not on the issue at hand. And I think there's a really good reason for that, which is that there's a slim understanding of what's happening on the ground. There's even, it's hardly that that's even an agenda item. What is actually happening? Because the focus is all who's in charge of it, not what it is. And, and so this detachment yes. lends itself towards general statements, some of which are frankly ignorant of what's possible and, and probable. Yes. And until we move away from talking to our constituency and start facing the problem and doing so with professionals qualified to deal with the problem, we are going to have this continued war amongst those in the room instead of their energy focused outwards on the country. Yeah, I mean, you could sort of see it in a way in Steenhuis's response. I mean, he had one little kind of intervention which, when he was complaining about armed security forces coming onto the stage. But, you know, I thought that was a missed opportunity. He should have been jumping on the EFF. You know what I mean? I, it seemed like a very formulaic argument. I, you know, had a point. I mean, I, I suppose we shouldn't really sort of complain about politicians trying to grab the limelight. I mean, that, that is what they are there for. That's sort of within their nature. But I think you can complain about what kind of limelight they're trying to light themselves up with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just, there's a there's a most common denominator emerging about all things political, okay? Which is yeah, yeah, not just up, in South Africa as it happens. Yeah, yeah, we, which we end up we end up shouting at each other and cross accusing each other, and and very little time is is actually spent on anything constructive. So. You know, we need to, we need, I mean, we talk about a government of national unity, we talk about a rainbow nation, all of these, all of these things require of us uh, to start focusing beyond, you know, our differences and, 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 yeah. and in particular, to start taking seriously the need for an aggregation of skills and capital and all of these kinds of things, which don't look favorably on this infight. Yeah. Okay, this is a good moment to move on to our third section, which is what could we do about what struck you as this past week about things that we could fix? Well, you know, I think we could fix Transnet. And I think we can fix electricity. But it requires, uh, it requires an invitation and an openness that's not that they're present. I mean, we listen to the mining in Darba and you listen to the exports that are open to us and the mining. And thank goodness we don't suffer the natural disasters of Turkey and Syria and places like that. And we are blessed with all the natural resources that we have. You would have thought that we could take that as a source of unity and prosperity and focus entirely on exporting our natural capabilities so that we can import foreign capital that's here to stay. Because we're not going to fund ourselves by ourselves. 
And so we have this opportunity of raising foreign direct investment, and we're not taking use of it because we're making ourselves a less and less attractive destination despite our natural gifts that should place us in a different place. Okay, I've got a what could we do about it. Just tell me what you think about this. You know, one of the things that the president mentioned was the extension of something which was called TERS, which was just basically poverty support. Yeah. So it sort of happens over and above the social pensions and so on. Yeah. But I just wonder whether it wouldn't be better to just give it all to pick and pay and checkers and spa and give a, a credit line because all of the money ends up in checkers. You, you know, you can see from the results of, of the retailers that all of the money that the government is handing out through TERS is going straight to them. You know what I mean? And that makes complete sense. And essentially, it's a very yeah. good thing. You know, you, you want all of the money to go to them, but you don't want the money to go to the bottle stores and just basically to waste. So why not just give a credit to everybody, put a credit on people's ShopRite cards rather than giving them the cash and just exclude alcohol from the card? Do you think that's like too much like food stamps in America? Is that, is that too restrictive? It is a bit restrictive and it is a bit walking towards a controlled society. Okay. You know, what we need to do is empower society rather than control them. But I think that there's another way of also achieving it. By the way, I think that the outcome would be virtuous. It's the journey to that destination that we need to think about. And one of the ways I've been arguing about for some time is, is the tax system. You know, if we were to scrap all personal income tax and all company tax and just go for VAT, we could then allow self-selection for relative wealth by what we tax. You could tax a Ferrari at three times, you know, 300% and tax bread and food and medicines at zero on, on the VAT system and you'd immediately collect it. And so I think we can create incentives rather than controls. Okay, so, uh, you know, if you want to use liquor as an example, let the, the VAT on liquor be extremely high and let the VAT on basic foodstuffs be zero or even create an incentive. So I think there are ways that we can direct behavior that aren't direction. I mean, for example, we now have the state of disaster. No one is welcoming it because we all see it not for what it could be, but for what we've experienced in the past, which is another perhaps under our can you believe things because, you know, goodness knows what this empowerment is going to do, okay? And so I'm reluctant to have controls rather than incentives. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But I still kind of wonder when you see the sort of levels of violence and the levels of you know, alcohol consumption in South Africa. And it is a worry. I love getting drunk. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's a human right. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, you know, I just don't like it when other people get drunk. Yeah, I feel so much nicer and more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's. All right. So now there's something else I want to talk about, and I'm going to ban you from talking about this for obvious reasons, and that's the Postbank. And it just, it's just oh. so, it's so, I was so angry about this uh, when I heard it. Uh, because this is, you know, this doesn't really what you could do, fall under, what you could do about it. It is sort of what you can do about it, or what you shouldn't do about it in your efforts to try and fix it. And that is the, the president announced that the effort to create a post office bank is going to continue. And the reason that they are going to continue with that is because people who want loans have struggled to get them. And there should be a bank that the state runs that it will help with the system. Right. I know that you know something about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me say a couple of things. First of all, I've written about this, and it will be the subject of my column in Business Day on Thursday. I've actually already submitted the column, so uh, yeah, I'm not making this up. I mean, I think what we, hear, what we are talking about is interfering with a functional system 
and 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 overriding principles of good lending and things of that nature. So, okay. and that, so did you I'm not hear me say that I'm banning you from talking about this? Okay. And having said all of this, forget about the postbank. Right. There is a place for such an effort. There is a place, in my view, for developmental finance as long as it's understood. And that place is in the deve- developmental state institutions, which can be subsidized, which can be specifically. But if you walk into a room of rules and you override them, you should know that uh, that that's not going to work. I mean, so uh, yeah, I won't talk anymore, but you can read about it on Thursday. I mean, my sense about this is that this is exactly the area where you don't want government to tread. I read something last week which said that governments around the world are focused on problem solving. That's what they judged by. And actually, they would get quite a lot further if they didn't look at what doesn't work and try and fix it. But they looked at what does work and try and do more of that. Yeah. And trying to fix South Africa's banking system, which, you know, we have 50 banks. We've got six very functional, very competitive banks. To think that you are going to intervene in this system and somehow effectively provide people with a better deal because the state is running it, it's just nuts. It's a recipe for disaster. To be blunt, I don't think the Reserve Bank will go with it. It, uh, In my view, the Reserve Bank is still a highly respected, objective, uh, considered, and intelligent organization, and they would uh, finally pass judgment on this. If they don't, then I'm afraid we're one level further to our complete disintegration. You talk about government solving problems. Business also succeeds or fails on whether they solve a problem. All of the successful business stories have had at their genesis the solution to a problem. Whether it's, you know, to take a classic example, Uber. I mean, Uber solved the whole issue of you don't have to call, uh, you don't have to look for a taxi. The taxi is going to come looking for you, you know, and, and, and simple things like that. So business also makes or fails or succeeds whether it solves the problem. But what is crucial is that the people designing the solution must have walked in the shoes of the problem and they must have understood the problem and they must have the wherewithal yeah. not to dress it up you can't, there, there is no point in icing until you bake the cake, man. You know, and so what we do is we jump into these attractive little sprinkles, you know, on the, on the top of the cake. But the cake is unfounded and un- misunderstood and miscommunicated and so on. So we create these unrealistic expectations, particularly as it relates to money and time, which end up disappointing. And, 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 yeah. and, no, no, and that's where we're going. All right, let's move on to our last uh, section, which is dinner, Skinner. This is the things that you're going to talk about during your dinners this week. And the thing that I wanted to talk about was balloons. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Valentine's Day. They're going to be, can you imagine the number of uh, red balloons that are going to get shot down tomorrow, boss? The last thing you want to do tomorrow is release a whole bunch of red balloons into the sky. We'll have the army out. Okay. Yes. Yeah, what was that song? Wasn't there a song about 99 red balloons? And, uh... Yeah, I know. You talk about things in the sky. One, one of the big challenges of our advancing technology is drone delivery. Okay. So you're going to have right. all of these drones up in the sky delivering all sorts of fancy things from Amazon, take a lot, wherever. And there is no drone air, air control system Okay, at this stage. Okay, So we've got, we've got this for aircraft, and, and it's pretty damn good, otherwise we'd be killing each other. But we haven't got this yet for drones. Okay, And so... These things in the sky uh, need a whole new chapter of 
of rules and things. But I would have also shut the balloon down, man. What the hell? I mean, if I see someone, if I see a balloon floating over my garden while I'm having a bit of a skinny dip there, I'm getting my catapult out. There can be no doubt about it. <laughs> well, at least until I've lost a bit of weight. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a, I have a, I have a question to which I know the answer because my facility with Google, but how far does airspace go? Do you think, do you happen to know? And were these balloons, the four balloons that the Americans have shot down below that level or not? So you're talking heights, not width. I don't know how, yeah, how high, I, I, I think height is infinite. I think uh, from the, from the border no, of your airspace no. up forever, but I don't know. I can remember just very quickly an argument I once had when I was having a cigarette in business class and we were approaching Australian airspace. And the, the, the lady came to me and said, Mr. Barnes, uh, you must put your cigarette out now. We're in Australian airspace. I said, no, we're not. She said, what are you talking about? I said, this is a pressurized cabin. If we're in Australian airspace, we've got a much bigger problem to deal with. And she said, I'll come back to you. She said, the captain uh, is interested in what you just said, but unless you put the cigarette out, we're going to have you arrested when we land. <laughs> so anyway, so the, so, so the answer to the question is that the airspace goes up to the common line, which is where outer space begins and earth space begins. And that common line is about 100 kilometers up. And the answer is yes, the balloons were below the common line. So they shoot the, the yeah, Americans nice. within its right to shoot them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other question that I had about balloons was, what can you find out from a balloon that you can't find out from a satellite? And the answer is infrared. Oh, really? Apparently, in, yeah, balloons work better with infrared. Infrared doesn't work very well from outer space, even from, even from low Earth orbit. So you can, you can track what's happening at night with a balloon. But you can't with the satellite. Well, you can, you know, but what, you know, less, less. No, uh, this is, you know, forget uh, about nations spying on each other. We as individuals are being spied on way beyond our understanding of it. Okay. The other day, I was reading one of the newspapers and I wanted to take on, online and I wanted to take a photograph of what I had in front of me. I took the photograph right. as a, on a screenshot and I got the following message Would you not rather want to send that to someone? Okay. So. <laughs> They knew I was taking a photograph of their online publication. Now, so I don't, I don't know that they could see me, man. Otherwise, I would have fallen <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know, this this invasive uh, observation is not just about Star Wars and about uh, countries. No, it's yeah, about no, us. no, no, exactly. Actually, about us. And the yeah. commercial consequences of that invasive scrutiny and the and other. Uh, you know, control mechanisms of what we've got. Never mind the military. I mean, what about us? What about our individual lives? What about uh, all that stuff? All right. So let's finish off. I I think we would be remiss not to notice the the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. They've been just absolutely horrible. It's just terrible to read every day another 2,000, another 5,000 people died. Just what a horrible way to die. I can't can't imagine sitting in a building which suddenly collapses. We thank goodness, are not, you know, subject to those kinds of things. And and the, the people that survive, I read about a survivor yesterday who'd been found after five days. Tim, can you for the life of you imagine sitting in a dark, confined space for five days? I don't know what the body does to cope. Does it sort of switch off? Yeah. Do you become unconscious? Do you, because we can't cope with, with, with such things. But it's, yeah, it's, it's devastatingly terrible. I see our gift of the givers are out there helping, which is cool. Yeah, you would have thought with all of the Stuff that we've got, 
we'd we'd have a happier life to live here eh? when we think of the plight yeah. of others. It's horrible. It was I thought the last count I saw was twenty five thousand. I don't know where it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, Mark. Thanks very much. This uh, no, we're off you. to a flying start for the for the week. I hope everybody enjoys this podcast. This is our first effort. We we hope we can give you a little bit of fun. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun. So listen in. Cheers. Cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.